For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. And we have a lot of weak action to break down. We also have a trade that happened Monday morning. We have about, what, a little over 24 hours uh, up until the trade deadline happened. So I have a feeling we're going to see some more action. Uh, it's very exciting if you're an NFL fan because in, I don't know, in years prior, it, it seems like every year it's getting a little bit more like the NBA trade deadline where there's actually legitimate moves being made. Um, and, and and that's what we're going to kick off the show with today. Kenyon Drake uh, was rumored to have been traded to Pittsburgh on Sunday. I saw that coming out uh, on the Sleeper app, and he actually gets traded Monday morning to the Arizona Cardinals. Now, there's been a lot of speculation about what's happening with David Johnson, his injury, what his future looks like with the Arizona Cardinals. They send a conditional pick back to the Miami Dolphins. They get Kenyon Drake. You assume that he is going to be playing and playing right away. Jake, what is the immediate fantasy impact for Kenyon Drake and the Arizona Cardinals? Well, I mean, first of all, this is exciting. I mean, I, I said a guarantee of two more trades and maybe up to as many as five. <clears throat> we also kind of inclined that this could be the end of David Johnson in Arizona. The contract is, is pretty beneficial to them to be able to move forward after the season. And it wouldn't surprise me if they put him on IR at this point. They love Chase Edmonds, who's cheap and young. Kenyon Drake's still on a first-year contract. Probably not going to be very expensive to re-sign uh, after this. I mean, I think there's an immediate impact for them because I think they're going to have to shut down David Johnson. you got another guy that's very versatile out of the backfield, catches it well, runs it well, uh, and he's going to fit in that offense pretty nice. I mean, I, I think it was a smart move by Steve Kime. You're adding another playmaking piece to an offense that needs more, but their backfield starting to look pretty good. Yeah, I, I assume that he's going to come to some sort of at least maybe even short-term deal for him at some point. The short-term impact is we have to see what happens. They have a game three days from now. David yep. Johnson's hurt. Chase Edmonds is hurt. Uh, I don't think you want to walk into this game with, you know, Zach Zenner and Alfred Morris, who just signed off the street. Against the uh, Niners? I, yeah. Four, yeah no. Ago, no. Against the Niners there. Um, you know, we'll have to see if, if if either or both those guys miss time, then Kenyon Drake's somebody that you're going to look at this week as maybe a low-end flex play. I'm not sure I'm going to have the, the cojones to start him on a short week with a new team against that defense where we're not quite sure what his role is going to be yet. But, look, this is also a GM that's – managing for his job and the how they finish the season, whether they make the playoffs or not necessarily, but how many wins they finish the season with may have a direct impact on whether or not Steve Kahn gets to be on this team next year or not. 100%. So that's why you make a move like this when you've got your top two guys there banged up. You need options there. You need somebody in that backfield. Uh, you, you, ha- you spread the field so much. You have so many guys on the field at the same time that are pass catchers. Uh, you need somebody else that can play that in that role from the backfield. And Kenny Drake can do this. I don't think he's really been used properly at all in Miami at any point, whether it's under the current administration or under Adam Gase prior. But um, definitely worth somebody being on your fantasy bench and having him picking him up like we told you to last week, saying, hey, look, this guy might get traded. You might want to grab him ahead of time. But I'm not so sure I'm going to play him this first week. Yeah, no, I, I mean, think- that's, that's the immediate impact. Sorry, Paige. Um, no, one, one other thing to add on to that is you're talking about you gave up a conditional pick. You're hoping that pick gets higher because he plays for you. But, I mean, it's not inconceivable to say that Kenyon Drake could be the starting running back in Arizona next year with the way that this offense is. And Chase Edmonds is still a, an additional piece. If that's the case, and you get a starting running back for whatever you gave up, a fourth that becomes a third, a fifth that becomes a fourth, whatever it is, like that's a really good trade. Yeah, no, it is a really good trade. And, and Arizona has been linked to quite a few different options on the trade market, um, some other options even in Miami, because this team offensively, uh, they don't have a lot of weapons, right? And we've talked about that for giving Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury and this offense a legitimate shot. 
moving forward, you need to put and you need to bolster this offense. And now this adds a young piece. They like Chase Edmonds, Chase Edmonds, like Jake says. And contractually, if you look at how things break out with David Johnson, which we one of my favorite things that we're going to do is get in more into the cap when it comes time um, after the season. But these are these are some of the moves that are going to make sense when you hear about them now and then we revisit them later. The, these are the moves they make with other things in mind. Yeah. Correct. David Johnson becomes very tradable. Yes. Next season, you don't you're not going to cut him because you don't get any benefits next year. You would get benefits two years from now, but it becomes very tradable for you next season. And look, this offense, if they're going to run as many plays as they've – again, maybe let's take out last Sunday, for example. If they're going to run as many plays as they normally have run, you're going to need to rotate a couple backs in and out of the game. Absolutely. You're always going to need two pieces there. Uh, And the compensation, we don't know what the condition is to move it up around, but it's a sixth-round pick right now that can move up to a fifth. We don't know what – it hasn't been reported what the parameters, whether it's a re-sign, whether it's how many games active. We don't know what that is yet, but right now it's a six-round pick. That's the conditional. Good deal for both sides. I mean, Kenyon Drake's not being used in Miami. They're trying to get rid of – it's a fire sale, right? I mean, that is – they have every single person that has touched the football in Miami has been rumored and linked to other football teams. That's just where we are with the Miami Dolphins. And this ends up, if especially if he can come in and play a part in this offense, this could be a huge deal for the Arizona Cardinals moving forward. All right, guys, let's get into all of the games that happened uh, on Sunday. We're going to start off here with the Seahawks going on the road to the Atlanta Falcons. They get it done 27-20. Matt Ryan does not play in this game. Uh, I saw a lot of funny tweets about in the year of our Lord 2019, Matt Schaub threw for this many. It was He, he wasn't awful, right? I mean, he put up numbers very similarly to uh, what Matt Ryan does. The Seahawks' defense isn't great, right? That's a reflection of that. Uh, but the Seahawks were blowing this team out for most of this game. Uh, Jake, what did you see happen in this one? I mean, it's 24, 20, 24 nothing at the half. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I turn around, and it's like it's 24-8. And then it's 24, like 20, I was like, 27-20, what? Holy, like, I think, I mean, the Seahawks got up and just shut it down. I mean, they blew them out in the first half. It was pretty ugly. Their defense isn't great, you said. They're on the road, but I mean, they know they have a short week. I think they rested everybody in the second half and didn't, I don't think it was the game was ever getting too close that they weren't that worried about it. I mean, it, this was a, a beat down from, from the jump. Yeah, this was a classic case. If you watch this game, you realize Seattle were gonna they played the first half and they I mean shut it down was is the exact right phrase that Jake used there. They just completely shut it down. Um and they they weren't really in any danger. I mean Atlanta kept kept coming back, but like they were just they were chipping away, but the clock was just not gonna be in their favor. There was no there was no doubt. And that's why Russell Wilson didn't have as big of a game as we had hoped, uh, because he only had to play for half. He got the hundred and eighty two yards and two touchdowns, but he only threw twenty times in this game. You know, Carson looked good. Tyler Lockett caught all six of his targets. DK Metcalf caught two touchdowns, which is nice. But, th- but this is what he is. Like, he has to catch a touchdown to be relevant. Yeah, boomer still, bust. Still only had three for 13 otherwise. You know, on the Falcons side, uh, you know, Devontae Freeman had an okay game. Uh, you know, helped. Again, they're going to use him in the passing game a ton. You wish he doesn't lose that fumble if, for fantasy purposes. Julio had a big game, which is good to see. But kind of is what it is right now. Who's Hooper got in the end zone again? I mean, Hooper's going to be a top five tight end going forward, period. Like, I mean, he's going to finish in the top three, I think. I sat, on a on a funny note, I sat with two two kids in a box yesterday that were probably I think five and maybe eight years old. They sat behind me and they were negotiating a trade for Austin Hooper, and it was legitimately the best. I was trying to, I didn't want to videotape them because they're not my children, and I don't want to put people on social media. But it was the funniest thing. They sat there, and I mean, legitimately, a five-year-old and an eight-year-old, and they were talking about the value of Austin Hooper in the dynasty league that they play in at five and eight years old. I was dying. I was like, this is the best thing. Uh, fantasy impacts everybody, and it was it was so funny to hear their thoughts on Austin Hooper long-term, which they were both a fan of. So it was very funny to hear. Um, all right, next game we're going to talk about here, Giants and Lions. Lions get a victory 31-26. to uh, Jake, what did you? What were your takeaways from this one? Uh, Matt Stafford was a great play this weekend. I picked him up, played him over Carson Wentz. I was very happy about that. The Lions' offense is pretty legit. The Lions overall are better than they've been. They're getting better. They're pretty legit. The Giants are better with Daniel Jones, they just are limited on the amount of pieces that they can put on the field to be relevant. But they hung around in this game. Saquon, decent day. Ingram, pretty good day. Uh, Golden Tate, again, pretty solid day fantasy-wise. Uh, I mean, it's pretty much what I thought. I mean, the Lions were going to were gonna win, but the Giants hung around. I was pretty impressed. 
we can't talk about this game without talking about the Lions' backfield because this is the thing that caused a lot of fantasy owners to pull their hair out. Yep. Um, they used only one back the first two drives of the game, and it was Trey Carson uh, who had five carries on those first two drives. They finally work in Ty Johnson a little bit late, but uh, like we said, we saw Ty Johnson go for, and I told you in my league, I saw him go for $50-plus of fab. Uh, and he got seven carries in this game. They don't. Which really... Jamie told you not to do, by the way. Yes, I said I thought he... I, I told you to play him this week, but I didn't say say spend half your fab budget on him. Yeah, uh, I was very surprised by the RB usage. Trey Carson had more carries than anybody else on the team combined, uh, which is not what I expected. J.D. McKissick was barely used in this game, even in the passing game. Uh, I, it's a weird scenario with that Lions backfield. I don't, I don't know what to read of it going forward. I'm not not rushing to pick up Trey Carson. It's not like he looked good in the dozen carries he got, but uh, maybe kind of temper that expectations on what that Lions backfield is going to look like without on Johnson. Another big game for Danny Amendola. Uh, worth being on your bench. I don't know when you're going to ever feel confident playing him, maybe in that Week 10 scenario where everybody's on by, but I eh. – And yeah. on, on the Giants side, again, Saquon's great. Golden Tate's that starter every single week, even when Sterling Shepard's back because he's playing in the slot. Uh, Evan Ingram, nice to see him get in the end zone because he's kind of had some trying weeks, but – Really, this game was about the Lions' backfield and everybody being very upset that they spent a lot of money on Ty Johnson. Yeah, as they should be. But uh, you maybe maybe think about it. You, you didn't see. What did you see that told you that that was that he was just going to plug and play for on Johnson? I mean, you assume because they used him a ton in that other in that game last week when on Johnson went out, and the fact that Trey Carson's been on the team for thirty seven seconds. But uh, it is what it is. This, yeah, again, sometimes this, this is what happens. Yeah. I wouldn't drop Ty Johnson, by the way. Like I don't don't spite drop him, especially if you spend all that fab budget on him. Yeah. Uh, but just kind of keep in mind that. Well, you know what? Those carries might not be there, at least not to that volume. I expect him to get more than seven, but that was a, that was a big surprise to me. All Where right. did Matt Patricia come from? New England. Yeah. Who Where? has the most frustrating running back situation in the history of the world of fantasy? Uh, New, New England. England. There's yep. your comparable right there. Yep, uh, that's a, a very good point, Jake, because that's all, <clears throat> always been infuriating for 15 plus years uh, watching New England and their running back situation. All right, y'all are going to get a rant here because the Chicago Bears lost to the uh, L.A. Chargers. And I'm not going to rant about the football team. Right? I'm going to rant, Paige. Okay. I'd be under-freaking-feeded under on my picks if he makes a damn kick. Okay. Well, There's my rant. And I feel okay. bad for you because, my God, how many game-winning kicks can we miss in Chicago? It's, here's the thing. I, I, I would be upset with Eddie, but you can't go into the red zone four times and not score touchdowns. Your defense picks the ball off, puts you on the four-yard line, and you cannot score a touchdown. You are a – Matt Nagy, stop being so damn cute. Literally. I don't know what you're pl- – I, I watched that game, and I, I'm so happy that I watched it later on after I knew what the outcome was because if I didn't and I actually watched that game live, I would have broken so many things watching what they were doing in the red zone. I just it, – it is completely infuriating – they they ran David Montgomery finally, right? David Montgomery has a good game, so I got blown up about that. Happy to see that. But you can't have that many trips to the red zone and not score touchdowns. You're not going to win football games that way. Your defense the only team in the NFL this year with that 300 yards of total offense in a game. That's it. it you cannot. There's your, there's your answer. Yes. Your defense puts you in a position to win that football game. They turn the ball over. They put you in good field position, and you can't score touchdowns. You're not going to win football games. You can put it on Mitch. You can put it on – it's the whole team, without the exception of the defense. The whole offense, the whole play-calling staff, Matt Nagy, Mitch Trubisky, the whole offense. I just – that's the end of my rant. I'm so mad at this football team. It's infuriating to watch. And Bo Jackson – Eddie Jackson came out. He calls himself Bo Jackson. Eddie Jackson came out today and told the fans to stop booing and ride or die. Eddie – I love you. I love you, dude. And I am not a guy who's going to, I'm not a girl who's going to boo my, my team. But let me tell you something. You are not going to win over the Chicago fan base by telling them not to boo. The team hasn't won shit in 30 years. They fill that stadium. They're good ass fans. And guess what? When they show up on Sunday and you play like that, you're going to get booed. Period. End of my rant. Jake. What are you, do you? Do you want to rant anymore, or you want to let Jamie break down the fantasy impact? No, I mean the only the only rant I have is get off Nagy's ass for the end of the game. You can get on him all you want for the play calling, the red yeah. zone, everything else, but he did what you're supposed to at the end of the game. He took a knee, put his field goal kicker for a forty yarder. The weather, the weather wasn't terrible, and he freaking missed it. And the kid's been good. So, like, you can get on him for all you want, but get off his ass for that because that was that's how you're supposed to do it at the end of the game. 
I'm with you on that. Jamie, fantasy impact. I mentioned David Montgomery. A lot of people obviously very excited to see him finally have a lot of involvement in this offense. Yeah, also it's been 34 years, but who's counting? Uh, David, <laughs> David Montgomery, uh, yeah, 20, look, you love seeing the 27 carries. That's the that's the biggest factor. Obviously, he gets 135 in the end and a touchdown. But we, we said on the show Friday, we expected an overcorrection to the point where they're going to run the ball a ton, and they did in this game. And it was effective, and they should have probably run it a little bit more. I, I don't know. like With the stuff with Nagy and Trubisky, I don't know if it's Nagy being too cute which is very possible because a lot of times that offense, that Andy Reid offense can get too cute for its own good, especially when it's not Andy Reid running it. Yeah. We have seen that before. Or they just don't have the confidence that Mitch Trubisky can execute the plays. I agree. And I think maybe it's a little bit of both. Yeah. It's probably the truth lies somewhere in the middle, but it's it's a problem for them. But look, you know, Alan Robinson didn't have a huge game. We didn't expect a huge game from him, but he had a decent game there, 5 for 62. And I like seeing Anthony Miller involved a little bit more in this offense. We've now seen this for the second week in a row. I'm not necessarily picking him up yet, but just kind of something to keep an eye on. He's good, fully healthy. Yes, he is. And he hasn't been fully healthy since he's been in the league. Yeah. Like, he like, separated yep. his shoulder 87,000 times or whatever his rookie year. It was like five or six times. It was, it was five really times. Ridiculous. Yeah, it was really bad. Charger side of things, I don't know, man. Like, I mean, look, props to Keenan Allen, who was really hurt. Yeah. Really hurt and, and, and found a way to get into that game and get 10 targets, seven catches for 53. You know, Mike Williams, this is what he's going to do. He's going to get two or three catches for mm-hmm. 60-ish something yards. But that's that's a, bit, a ton of drops again from him. I don't know what to do with him. He's dropping the ball a ton this year. They're throwing to him a ton, but he's just not really executing. Neither back looks good. Austin Eckler gets, saves his fantasy day with a receiving touchdown late in that game. But, man, I mean, the Chargers are all – they get their win. And, sure, you know, look, they've lost plenty of games like the way Chicago lost this game. But – there's just still something that I just have no confidence in that team. Like they just look like they're lost right now. What do we have to learn here? Because there was a lot of discussion and I should say anger around us with Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon and how Melvin Gordon just has kind of looked like a shell of himself. Like, do you guys expect him to move on after this year? Is he a non-play for the rest of the season? Where are you looking at him? Let's talk about this season specifically. Well, well for fantasy purposes, he's somebody that's probably going to be in flex consideration for you. At this point, they wanted to run. It was interesting. They looked like they really wanted to get him involved in the game early, and then they kind of went away from it, where I felt like, is Austin Eckler even on the field for the first quarter? Um, and I know he gets in the end zone, so he ends up having like a decent little fantasy day there. He almost gets to double digits. But that's still not what you're looking for for where you drafted him. But at this point, you have to stop worrying about where you drafted him for the most part. He's going to be a guy that I imagine I'm going to rank between RB25 and RB32 like most weeks. I think that's where he's going to be, where if you're in a two-flex league, he's probably worthy of starting. If you're in a one-flex league, maybe with buys. But I don't think he's a you plug him in and you start him every single week going forward. Now, that could change in a couple weeks. We can see how he performs. But this whole offense looks out of sync. He doesn't look the same. He's still going to split time with Austin Eckler to some extent. So, no, I don't think he's a – set it and forget it type player that you were hoping he was going to be once he came back from his holdout. Yeah, I mean, part of this is they're playing the Bears. They still got the Chiefs. They still got the Raiders defense. There's going to be weeks you definitely don't want to play them, but you're going to have to look at it. Yeah, it wasn't definitely was not a good matchup for him in this, but something to pay attention to as there's no way he can live up to any sort of expectations uh, for the rest of the season. Just based He's on losing that. a lot of money, too, in real world. Yes, yeah, he is. Yeah. A he lot is. of money. Yeah, he is losing a lot of money in the real world. All I right. think he might have been better to stay home. I know. He might. Honestly, <laughs> this, this is this might be worse, seeing, uh, seeing the actual we'll see. decline. We'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll give him a few more weeks to get back into it. But, yeah, I mean, he just doesn't. Either should have been probably we'll we'll be able to reevaluate at the end of the season. But if this continues, it it probably would have been better for him to sit out the season. There's a reason why they gather everybody together in July and August, and they go through a training camp, and they go through mini camp, yes. and they go through all these things. There's a reason why they do all of that. It's just like in baseball when guys miss spring training, and all of a sudden it takes them a month and a half until they look like themselves. Yeah, you can't just step right in at the highest level of athleticism in the world. And just be be a superstar. No. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, it's very hard to to do anything like that. All right, the Jets go on the road to Jacksonville. Jacksonville wins this one, 29 to 15. Uh, more so, I want to talk to you guys. This is the – what is going on? What is, what is going to happen here with this Jets team? Because Adam Gase is taking a lot of heat in New York, as expected, right? We knew – we know we are all aware of what the New York media does – um, the Adam Gase hire was interesting from the very beginning and never really got off to a great start, right? He's said some weird things. He's done some weird things. Sam Darnold gets mono. Two bad losses. They did beat that Cowboys team, but what 
seems like forever ago now after we've watched their last two performances. Jake, what's your overall evaluation of the Jets, uh, more so from a football perspective moving forward? I'm not real sure. I mean, Greg Williams, solid defense coordinator. Defense played good at times. If they if they have all of their pieces on defense, they're pretty solid. But now you're hearing like Leonard Williams could be on the trade block, which is one of the staples of that defense. Offensively, they've got a couple pieces here and there where they ought to be able to move the ball. And yesterday was kind of an example of that. I picked Jacksonville to win at home, but I thought it'd be pretty close. The Jets hung around. I, I mean, you're eight games into the first year of a rebuild with some decent pieces, but I, I mean, you can't move on. You just fired Todd Bowles and that staff. You're not firing him and moving on you're, unless you're going to make Greg Williams the head coach. I can't imagine that's going to happen. So I think you just got to ride it out with this thing. But you're talking about the New York media and a Jets team that has been flip or flop and the mono thing and all the craziness and the press conference when Gase got the job. None of that helps. Yeah, and it's both Robbie Anderson and Leonard Williams are, are are on the trade block as of right now. From a fantasy perspective, Jamie, what's your takeaways from this one? <sighs> that – I, if you're a Le'Veon Bell owner, you're just screwed. Yeah. Um, and this is not this is a case where it's not Le'Veon Bell's fault. It's the Adam Gase offense's fault. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. Again, you, you, I don't know what you do with him going forward. He obviously has no trade value at this point in fantasy. Like, you're not going to be able to trade. Well, you trade him for 25 cents on the dollar. That doesn't yeah. make any sense. So you kind of have to hold on to him. He's another guy that, like, you want to rank each week as a must-start, but you start to watch these games and you go, do you really have that much confidence that he's going to be a – 15-point player for you? I have a breaking news trade on Leonard Williams. The Jets Jets traded Leonard Williams to the Giants for a three this year and a five in 2021. That's Adam Schefter reporting that news. Uh, Good timing. Uh, We were just talking about Leonard Williams getting traded. The trade again, Jets traded Leonard Williams to the Giants for a third this year and a five in the upcoming 2021 draft. Jake, your initial reaction to the breaking news? My initial reaction is great trade for the Giants. Mm-hmm. Stick him next to Dexter Lawrence. You just drafted in the first round. You have a run-stopping guy from the inside that can rush the passer for a third and a fifth the next year. And you know you're moving on from Eli. You're going to have some cap value, some cap space with a rookie quarterback contract. I love it. Yeah, the Jets. love it for the Giants. For the Jets, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. Jets and the Giants working together. Very interesting. Yes. Uh, Jamie, you're in a And for the weather, Williams, great trade. You don't have to move. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, That's- no, I mean, love, the, love the trade for the Giants. That's another piece that they need. I think Leonard Williams is one of the more underrated players in, in the league. Uh, still a really young player, still incredibly athletic. It's going to be a really solid addition to that team. And again, the the progression that we've seen just so far of Daniel Jones, not only on the field, but based on what people thought he was on draft day to now, has accelerated the Giants' timeline Yeah, uh, in terms of returning to relevancy. Especially in that division, by the way, which yeah, now all which, of a sudden doesn't look like there are two world beaters in that division anymore. Not for this season, but I'm talking about looking up next year, two years from now. All of a sudden, it's not the path to get to the top of that division does not look that difficult as it did maybe two months ago. No, and we know how, as we talked about the Jets, the Giants are the New York team, right? No, and, and, and that is the, the media, as bad as they are to the Jets, it's it's on a mag- magnified for the Giants. And last year was a disaster. This season obviously hasn't been great, but you've seen Daniel Jones take, take some steps, been better than everybody's expectations, which was nothing. So this is good news for the Giants moving forward, and hopefully he can play a good part for this team. Uh, other notes on the Jets quickly uh, for this game. You know, Ryan Griffin catches two touchdowns again. Worth looking at because tight end position so crazy. Uh, does speak to good things if Chris Herndon can ever get on the field again. Yeah. Uh, Darnold's going to look for them. But look, this is a Sam Darnold road game. This has been a problem with him for his entire NFL, short but entire NFL career so far, is that he really struggles away from home and he turns the ball over a ton when he's on the road. And that trend continued here. Jacksonville side of things, really good game for Gardner Minshew when I didn't expect much in yeah, this game with the very rain. good game. Uh, he had a really good game. Had a, that great play to Chris Conley for that 70-yard touchdown. DJ Chark gets in the end zone again. Uh, Leonard Fournette's going to be used heavily in the passing game. Like this is this is what it is now. This is how he's going to be used. How D. Filippo is going to use him. Uh, I know you you hoping for probably a bigger game on the ground, but he still gets it done. 136 total yards in the game, seven catches. Like that that's enough. That'll get that, that'll get you through. Yeah, that's uh, the, especially where he was going in the ADP this year. Com- in comparison, that's that's pretty good for your expectations for Leonard Fournette. All right, the Bengals and the Rams in in uh, London was close for a while and I looked up I lo- I looked at the score and I said wait a second that cannot be right London ha- London does weird things it doesn't matter they take care second half happens 24-10 final score for the Rams 
this is phenomenal for the Cooper Cup fan club, which is yep. this podcast and Jamie specifically. Just unbelievable game. Continues to be just exactly where he was at the beginning and the middle of last year. Um, his only concern coming in this year, as we discussed, was injuries, and clearly that's not an issue for him. He's been unbelievable to watch. Jamie, I'll let you react first here uh, this game. Yeah, I mean, look, he was he was awesome in that game. And that touchdown catch, he outruns the defense and running around guys. Like When he caught that ball, you're looking at him run like, all right, well, this is going to be a big game, but there's no way he gets in the end zone and somehow you know, weaves his way down the sideline and gets in the end zone. I mean, look, he's the, start, the straw that stirs a drink in that offense. They look completely different when he is going off in the middle of the field than any other point. Um, uh, Cooks, again, Cooks got hurt in the first quarter of this game. He took a big hit that looked fairly clean to me, at least on the first few. I didn't get a chance to see the replay of it, but looked fairly clean. But it looked like he might have got his head hitting, hitting on, the, on the turf afterwards, so he was ruled out. Uh, not a big game for Gerald Everett, not a big game for Robert Woods. Henderson and Gurley split carries, but Gurley got in the end zone. This was the first game I thought Gurley looked slow. Like I, don't, I thought he's been looked really good all year, and I thought people were finding reasons to criticize him, but he he looked a little slow in this game. Uh, but I, I'm not little, not really worried about that long term. Cincinnati, Joe Mixon, they finally used him a little bit in the passing game, catches that passing touchdown to kind of help his day through. Looked okay on the ground, but... You know, Auden Tate could have had a bigger day, got a touchdown called off at the last second that allowed the Rams to cover in this game. Uh, so I'm sure that mattered to a few of you, that, that last second touchdown that oh, got yeah. taken off the board. Uh, but otherwise, like, I don't know what to do with this Bengals team at the moment. Um, it looks like A.J. Green is targeting Week 10 for his return was the latest report. I believe they might be on bye next week. Uh, they are because they're coming off the London game. So they're going to be on bye next week, so he's looking to come back after the bye. We'll see how that changes the offense for fantasy owners, but the Bengals are kind of what we are at this point. Like, Mixon is a low-end RB2 flex play. You're playing Tyler Boyd every week. You're Auden Tate, as long as A.J. Green is out, is maybe a second flex for you, but that's kind of what they are. Yeah, I mean, look, there's nothing else to add here. I, we said the, the Rams could take the red eye and win the game. They struggled. They're going to struggle to run the ball. Their offensive line is still not very good, but they were better in this game because the Bengals can't rush the passer very well. So, huge day for Cup. Goff went off in the first half, had a big day. Through for almost 400 yards. Solid. Uh, okay. This game, I was out live, and so was Jake. Uh, Tennessee Titans get a victory 27 to 23. I'm not going to say much other than um, for Jake's sake, because he shouldn't be the only one that says it. It's ridiculous to watch what the referees are doing on a week to week basis. Um, I am I am not Bruce's daughter, okay? I'm not I I get you guys think he might be more into this because the, he has a vested interest. No, I have a vested interest as a football fan to get the best version of the product on the field, and there has been way 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 too many mistakes this year. And it is making the game less fun to watch. And if you are the league, that is the worst case scenario for you because you care about one thing and one thing only, making money. And your product does not make as much money if it's not as entertaining. And that is what you are doing. And I, that's my only takeaway from this game. I was infuriated with that. The Bucks should have won the game. Um, but watching Jameis for an entirety of a game was infuriating. Uh, so I will say I I will say prayers for Bruce for his patience because I have none and I would be losing my mind and he kept it together and hit him on the head and was talking to him and keeping him in and my last thing on Jameis is that I can tell so he just wants it so bad and it makes it harder to to be critical of him but it's year five they have Tennessee has clearly moved on from Mariota um, talked to the offensive coordinator before the game for Tennessee. And, and he's very happy with what he's seen from Ryan Tannehill. They get this victory. Jake, I'm going to hand it over to you, uh, your thoughts on this football game. Yeah, I mean, the Bucks gave away another one uh, and then had it taken from them. But Vrabel makes a horrifically awful call to fake the, fake the field goal. Devin White makes his best play of the year, blows up the, the punter who's the holder on the play, clear fumble. The referees blow it dead, which kills the play. It's a touchdown. The Buccaneers win the game. And they take it from them. I don't even know what to say about this other than they are being told to let it go to the end, blow the whistle, after the touchdown, let it go to review because it automatically goes to review. If you blow it dead, you kill the other team. They're being told this. The referee is five feet from the play and blows it dead. Other than that, JPP comes back and has a sack on his first play. Phenomenal for this defense, but they couldn't get a pass rush in the second half. Secondary, problem again. Turnovers, problem again. The Buccaneers dominate this game. Time of possession, yards, 
plays, first downs, big plays. They stop the run again. Everything you want to do other than win. They have a young team that is not just doesn't know how to win, and they're not doing what they're being coached to do because I know how good the staff is. Regardless if it's my freaking dad or not, you can kiss my ass on all that. The proof is five years in Arizona. The staff is phenomenal. They're not doing everything they're being coached to do, and it's biting them in the ass. They're losing games. That's three they've given away. It's, you know, as you watch this team, the, the big, I mean, there are a lot of different things that, that you, you point to, but when you turn the ball over so much, there's yeah. only so much you can do to try to recover from that. And yeah. that's why we're seeing a lot of these games where Tampa Bay is winning every metric of the game except the turnover battle. Yeah. And it's because they're just, you can't turn the ball over four or five times. You just can't. And, and win football games. And look, this is not a, this is not a fluke for Jameis. This no, is this not, is who he is. And look, I know there was, again, there was a play where, um, you know, you know, Bruce Arias talked about it. We, Jake was talking about it before the show where there's one of the interceptions where it's a good, the pass was correct and is it Perriman that gets bumped off and, and it's not his fault, but like you, you fumble twice a week. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, it, it's, yes, you, there, there's a point where you say, yes, not every interception is Jameis's fault. And, and that's very true, but there's a point where you have a pattern of five years now of being just the king of turnovers and it has to stop. Uh, from a it's hard to win games, and you give them away fourteen. You turn over twice inside your own twenty. Yeah, and, and you won't win. You, you know. won't win in the NFL. You can't. And the other win. team can't do anything on offense. Yeah. You gave them fourteen points, and they had seventy yards of offense at halftime. Yeah, from seventy. A, yeah, from a Tennessee side of things, uh, look, not the games you were hoping for from AJ Brown, Corey Davis. The, the two catches each. I know AJ Brown gets in the end zone late, but. Not the games you're looking for. The interesting piece here is Jonu Smith. Yeah. As I do think whatever tight ends in that offense, whether it's Delaney Walker when he comes back or where Jonu Smith has it's been the last couple of weeks, is going to have some fantasy relevance right now because it is trying to find a top 10 tight end is a nightmare uh, at the moment. And you're going to get that from Tennessee. But, boy, it just, it's, this is just a disappointing game, I think, overall. You just look at the way the Buccaneers, they played well enough to win this game and they just couldn't do it. Uh, Jonu Smith, I, I got a little tidbit from Arthur, who is the offensive coordinator for Tennessee, and he told me ahead of the game that he loves Jonu Smith. He's been making tons of strides in practice. Uh, so take that for what it's worth because they did utilize him in that football game quite a bit. You saw Tannehill going to him a lot. This could be a trend for the rest of the season if you're looking to stream a tight end who's at least going to get a decent amount of targets. This could be a scenario that plays out. And they moved him all over the field. They had him split out wide for one of the touchdowns on a corner. Uh, he was in motion a lot. I mean, he played in the slot. He played as a traditional tight end. Like, they move him all over the place, and they, they use him almost as a matchup issue. Like, they move him to where they, wherever there's going to be the matchup that's best for him. They threw it down the seam. They threw it to him outside. Like, he's I, – I, I will definitely be looking at him if I need a tight end moving forward. All right, the Eagles go on the road to play the Buffalo Bills. They get a victory 31-13, to Jamie. Last week, you called out the Buffalo Bills and Joe Marino. Okay. Yes, okay. personally Joe Marino. Personally Joe Marino because we take this, uh, it's actually his fault for us believing in Buffalo. Uh, they barely beat a Miami team, and then they get their ass whooped by the Philadelphia Eagles. The Buffalo Bills are frauds, period. That is it. They are fraudulent. They are not a good football team. They're an average football team, right? Um, but this Philadelphia team with a chip on their shoulder coming off a terrible loss to the Cowboys, everybody on this podcast said it. We didn't believe that Buffalo would get this victory, but I did not see 31-13 to 13 coming, Jamie. Yeah, especially given the weather in this game. Yes. Where there were sustained 20-25 to 25 mile hour winds, gusts touching 50 miles an hour. I thought, wow, that plays right into the Bills' hands, that they have the opportunity to they can tee off against the run here. Force Carson Wentz to try to throw this ball when in these windy conditions and and see what happens and it really wasn't the case. Both teams actually, I mean, they didn't, I wouldn't say they threw the ball effectively, but they did enough to get the job done. And look, Philadelphia looked good in this game. Um, here's what here's my big takeaway, and I, and I'm going to say this now, and it's going to piss a lot of people off, but I don't care. Sell high on Miles Sanders. I'm watching the reaction on social media, and look, that run he had where he's you know, he's putting through Buffalo defenders and goes down the field. What was it? A, it was a what is it? It was a long 65-yard touchdown yeah. run. Yep. Looked awesome. Don't get me wrong. And he's plenty talented. But do you know what his stats were up to that point? He had two carries for nine yards. Thank you. And again, in a game where there were sustained winds of 20 to 25 miles an hour, in a game that Jordan Howard got 23 carries, he had two carries for nine yards. He was also caught three balls. People are going to look at that. People are going to box score scout this game. People are going to see the highlight that was played on NFL Network or ESPN or wherever people watch highlights, Twitter nowadays. And they're going to see the run, and they're going to go, ah, yes, this is the Miles Sanders breakout game. 
it was not the Miles Sanders breakout game. They very clearly are telling you that Jordan Howard is their lead back and they want him to be for the foreseeable future for now. Yeah. The season. Again, I have to remind this because I got into a, a Twitter conversation about this. I am talking about fantasy football in the context of one season because that's what all of 99% of you care about right now. I love Miles Sanders going forward, but most of you aren't in dynasty leagues. And if you are, you're not trading Miles Sanders anyway. So yeah. there's no advice there. But in a, in, a, in a single season league, in a redraft league, like the vast majority of you are playing in right now, I don't see there's any time where I'm going to rank Miles Sanders, barring a Jordan Howard injury, yeah. rank him inside my top 20 running backs. I just don't think it's going to happen. No. So if somebody's willing to give you an a true RB two for Miles Sanders right now, based on what they just saw on Twitter, do it. Yeah, and and I've seen a lot of people overreacting to Miles Sanders uh, in the fantasy community. Listen, Jamie's saying it exactly. I know you can't take away the one big run, but you have to understand that those big chunk plays are few and far between, and he's not getting all the carries. Jordan Howard is, and we've seen that on a consistent basis now. This is good for this football team. They want to run the football. They have to run the football if this team is going to continue to win football games. And they ran it well against a very a very good defense so far this year. So that's a good sign if you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan that they were able to go on the road, beat a good football team. Um, and, and more so now, like I said, Buffalo, I don't believe in you. I really don't believe in anybody in the AFC right now. Well, I, Patriots, I, but that's about yeah, it. Yeah, that's it. The eight no Patriots, and that's about it. But look, look, even in this game, Jordan Howard outtouched Miles Sanders four to one. Yeah, like four times. You can't, as many you can't start somebody else over him when like, that's the, when those are the statistics. You just have to deal with that on the Buffalo side. Uh, Frank Gore's droppable if you need to. Um, he's going to split time with Devin Singletary from here on out, and I don't think he's somebody that's going to has the upside that you need to keep going going forward. No, nothing really else on on the Bills team. I'm I'm a, I'm a little again. Josh uh, Josh Allen did enough for you fantasy wise. Yeah, but it I was mean, disappointing yeah. in comparison to what I thought it could be. I, I I didn't. I played him in in one league. Him and Kirk Cousins were the two guys that I go back and forth on. They ended up having pretty similar days. Um, but it, <laughs> I I expected. I, I want. I don't want to say expected. I hoped Josh Allen could do more against that Philadelphia Eagles secondary that's just been atrocious thus far. Um, but like we said, if you force Josh Allen to play quarterback, uh, he is not, can't make a lot of the throws. No. And, and that is going to continue to be the criticism of him as we move forward, because you should be able to tear this secondary apart and he couldn't. And I know, again, I get the win was a factor, but but it, come on, it, it, it was. It, you, just, you play in Buffalo, you got to be able to play yeah. through that. I, I also joke when I was watching the game, my friends saying, well, you know what? Have Josh Allen throw it where he thinks it's supposed to go. And the wind will actually might take it to where it needs to go. Oh, man. That's uh, – we'll move right along here. The Broncos go on the road and lose to the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts get a last-second Adam Vinatieri victory field goal. Uh, you saw a very impassioned Joe Flacco after the game, pretty pissed off about this about this loss. Uh, if you're a Broncos fan, I guess you – can hold on to that, that he's angry and wants to win football games, but the Broncos are not going anywhere this year, and Indianapolis is trying to stay pace with the Houston Texans. They get it done. I was surprised how slow the Colts started and basically this entire game. Yeah, like they, it was, they, it was they a slow game. Barely, I mean, again, I talk about this on the show all the time. If you're a good team, you have to find a way to win games where you don't play your best, and Indianapolis definitely did that on Sunday, but this they struggled. That was a struggle for them to get through that game. And again, they needed that inventory field goal late to, to avoid losing because of yes. the missed extra point earlier in the game. But, um, you know, Marlon Mack looked okay in this game, 19 carries for 76 yards. You know, T.Y. Hilton went like the, the, for the longest time with like one target total for the game, I think into the second half. Just, it was just a weird game for them. I, I'm not reading too much into it. On the Denver side of things, they just, it, you know what? They're not as bad as what their final record is going to indicate. They're going to be like a four and 12 team. And they're probably worthy of being a seven-win team in terms of what the talent and the way they've actually played so far. But they just don't have enough – I mean, pardon the pun. They don't have enough horses right now. They yeah. really they, they just don't have enough pieces on that team. Well, how many last-second games are they going to lose? Yeah, I mean, I mean it's – that defense is good. It's not great. It's, it's on its way down from where they were. It's a waning defense, but they keep them in games. Flacco has been at times good, at times bad, at times eh. Yeah. Like he's, like, he's just all over the place where – I don't think he's the problem, but he hasn't been the solution either. Which is which is an issue for them. It is, and look, they they missed Emmanuel Sanders a little bit, but I get it. Like at that point, you're not they're not making the playoffs. They need to start getting value back for some of those guys. But 
I don't know. They're a weird team to me. We're like, they're not a team you want to play. They're not an easy win by any means, but they're not going anywhere fast. Uh, are we going to see a quarterback change at all this season? I, I don't know if we are. Uh, it seems like that. I mean, is Drew Locke practicing even? Like, I don't I mean, think th- so. This is weird. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's going to be a QB change this year. I mean, maybe it gets in the game week 16 or week 17 or something, but, um, you know, it's not like there's going to be a QB change to spark this team to, to coming back. Like, that, that's it for this year. All right. Anyway, I don't even know if Locke's the QB of the future. I Like, if they really believed him, they would have took him in the fir- late in the first round. So, like, again, it doesn't mean that he's not. No. I know Russell Wilson went in the third round. I know. You I know. Have to tell me that. But yeah, I'm John Elway, his track record of picking quarterbacks is, is not great. Bad. Dumb. Yeah. So take that and uh, so we'll see for what it's worth. All right, the Saints. Drew Brees comes back. The headline here, obviously, uh, kind of a little bit slow first half. Gets it going in the second half. They win this game, thirty-one to nine. Listen, I was surprised to see Drew Brees start in this football game. I didn't think it was necessary, uh, but. He maybe gets the cobwebs off a little bit after sitting out for a few weeks against a team that they didn't really have to worry about too much. Um, and they get this victory, 31-9. Kyler Murray and company can't even get double-digit points here. Not a surprise. The Saints are a really good, really, really good football team. They're going on a bye. Uh, Drew Brees is going to get even healthier. Alvin Kamara is going to get healthy. And this team's looking good moving forward. Yeah, it was good to see Drew Brees had that strong second half because I, I was watching the first half of this game with a Saints fan, and I thought he brought up a really good point where the offense was so limited in the first half for New Orleans. Like, they were closing off large portions of their playbook. And at that point, you're like, okay, did you really need to branch Teddy Bridgewater so you could run half your playbook? Yeah. Like, it was a little, like, I know it's Drew Brees, and, you know, he's he's a god in that town. I get it. But uh, but he looked a lot better when he shook off the Cowboys in the second half. Again, luckily he didn't have a defense that put up much resistance to him. Uh, Latavius Murray looked really, really good here in replace of Alvin Kamara. Uh, I think he's, you know, he's a guy that you watch. He doesn't do anything spectacularly, but he does a lot of things well. Uh, and he's, he's filled in admirably for a lot of really good running backs over the course of his of his NFL career so far. And he's a really good complimentary piece to have there. Mike Thomas is going to get catched on everybody. Everybody. I don't care. He, he could be – you could tell me you're going to bracket him with Jalen Ramsey, Patrick Peterson, and like Marshawn Lattimore all on the same team, all against him. And he's still going to find a way to get like seven catches for 70 yards. Like Michael Thomas has been – is going to perform no matter who's the quarterback, no matter what the situation is. He is a top three wide receiver every single week going forward, no doubt. Cardinal side of things, I, I expected better from this offense. I know, look, you don't have David Johnson. Chase Edmonds didn't look great even before he got – he hurt that hamstring in, I believe, it was his third quarter of that game. Yeah. Um, Christian Kirk looked really good coming back in. That's receiver you want. Uh, I have big concerns about Larry Fitzgerald. Um, there are whole drives where they're not putting him on the field. Uh, he had another, like, what, one-catch game here. I don't think he's going to be ranked inside my top 35 wide receivers going forward. So no. he's somebody – I wouldn't drop him, but I'm just saying he's somebody that's not a must-start at any point anymore. No, it seems that they're working him out of the offense, um, at, whereas at the beginning of the season you saw Kyler Murray looking for him as a safety blanket throughout uh, throughout his first couple of weeks. So interesting to pay attention to that um, as they move forward for probably what they're thinking could be a post-Larry world, yeah, right? Yeah, and they're still an abysmal team in the Red Yes, Bowl. well, that, 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 that has to. That, they that have to know. fix that next year. Like, yeah. Kingsbury's going to really have to spend a lot of time figuring out how he can make his offense effective inside the 10-yard line because yeah, they spread the field and it's a disaster. Yeah, it's not good. It is not good to watch. All right, I challenged the uh, San Francisco 49ers to prove to me that they are a, a legitimate team, and they did just that. Uh, they win this game 51-13. to 13. Kyle Allen, who had not turned the ball over yet through, what, three picks three in picks. this game? He gets sacked a bunch. Listen, I this isn't so much about Jimmy. I just This defense is unbelievable, and this team reminds me a lot of last year where Mitch didn't have to do very much because the defense put them in a position to win all of the time. And, and elite I, defense in an elite running game. And I caution you, Niners fans, to not get overhyped on Jimmy because of that. But Tevin Coleman, unbelievable game. Uh, that rotation of who's going to have the big game continues. Um, Although I think Coleman's the guy. Like Coleman is, to me, head and shoulders above all the other Niners backs in terms of fantasy value. Like He is the guy that's the top 20 play every single week. And then the breeders of the world. I mean, Mostert only gets that big run there because it's they 
both teams stopped playing. They were playing their twos at that point. But the second, the the, the passing game was very little in this game. Uh, so I tell, I know people were like, "Well, what's Emmanuel Sanders going to do in this offense?" Got he was the end zone. he was the second most targeted receiver in this game at five, and just behind George Kittle in his first week. They just they ran all over this team, so they were not throwing the ball. They didn't need to, right? I mean, at at a certain point, you got to go with the game flow, and the game was flowing. They were running all over this team. Jamie, your other takeaways in this one. Sure, look at they had 232 rushing yards. Yeah, I mean, at what on, point? Yeah, it's, on 30, 37 carries. Like, yeah, I, I mean, why would you ever throw the ball? And which they did, they threw the ball twenty two times. And look again, it's, I, I'm still not sold one way or the other on Jimmy Garoppolo, but I don't need to be. He, no. He's proven that he could do enough with a great running game and a great defense for this team to be an elite team in the NFL. And I think it's finally time that we anoint them that. And I, and I was waiting a little bit. I didn't buy into the Niners hype in the offseason, and yep. it looks like I was wrong. Uh, I like the way they're coached. I love that they run the football, and they have a lot of backs that can run the football. There's not a case where, like, if Tevin Coleman goes down, that, oh, no, the Niners have to completely change up their offense. Now they'll plug in Brita or Mostert or Jeff Wilson or some other dude off the street or Ruben Drones or Tatum Bell or yeah. Mike Bell or do the thing his dad used to do where he's <laughs> bringing these random jamokes from – D3 schools and they rush for a thousand yards for them because they just scheme it up so well. Uh, they're they're going to do that here. And their defense is, I mean, Nick Bosa looks awesome. Like he had an awesome game in this. You know, you have one side of the field already shut down with, with Richard Sherman. Like they're, they're, they're doing all the things really well. Kittle's getting more involved in the offense. I have nothing but good things to say about the Niners. From the Panthers side of things, look, you ran into a buzzsaw on the road. It's going to happen. Uh, I, you still got to commend the way Kyle Allen has played throughout this entire stretch. Um, I still think, I've said this all the time, if Cam Newton's 100% healthy everywhere, shoulder included, not just the, the, the foot injury he's dealing with, but the shoulder, he's going to be the starter of this team for the rest of the year when yeah. he is healthy. I don't know when that's going to be. It could be next week. It could be multiple weeks from now. But that's going to be an option. Then McCaffrey gets his. Like He's going to get his every week in a tough matchup. Still gets over 100 yards and gets in the end zone. But look, you can't feel confident starting any Carolina wide receiver right now. No. Just, you really can't. Like, they're going to be okay. Like, you're going to get, like, Kurt Samuel got you in a half PPR league, 6.6 points. DJ Moore got you, you know, 6.2 or whatever it was. But that's kind of what you have to expect. There are not going to be any of these huge games for these guys. Yeah, and we talked about Carolina and and the tough position they would be in if Kyle Allen just continued to to win football games, right? This, this, this loss is a bad loss, right? It's obviously they get completely blown out. Kyle Allen throws a bunch of picks, so it gives you that – Gives you that opportunity to be able to move back to Cam Newton without as much speculation um, and as much controversy, right? Because if they go into San Francisco and win this football game, it's going to be really tough, even if Cam Newton's healthy, to go, yeah, we're going to sit Kyle Allen, even though he's playing unbelievable right now. So they get their opportunity now after they take a tough loss on the road to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, the Houston Texans get it done at home, 27 to 24. Um, in one of the more miraculous plays I've ever seen, yeah. Deshaun Watson uh, fixes his face mask mid mid scramble, uh, throws a touchdown. I mean, the guy is he's special, right? And he's a winner. Um, he's unbel- He's super fun to watch. And I've seen a bunch of people arguing back and forth about whether or not Mahomes or or Watson are the better player. It's tough to evaluate because I don't really like Bill O'Brien as a head coach. I don't think he's a great coach, and he's definitely not in the same conversation as Andy Reid from yeah. an offensive play calling standpoint. Uh, Deshaun Watson had to play pretty quickly. Patrick Mahomes got to sit for an entire year. Uh, completely different offensive line uh, in Kansas City. If situations were even, I don't know. I, no, I can't. I, st- I still go with Mahomes. Mahomes yeah. is still a better thrower. Than, yeah, than I just Watson, I think but. it's I think it's an interesting conversation to have. It's been going on awesome. back and forth. They're both very very fun to watch. And and like I said, Texans get the job done 27-24, But Oakland made it a hell of a game. So the Texans are going to have to get off the faster starts at some point in these games if they're going to be a team that wants to contend for more than just winning that division, or maybe even just to win that division. They can't be falling behind at halftime. I think they have the most wins in the league right now uh, when Lou trailing at halftime, which. In one way, you could look at it as as admirable, but in another way, you look at it and saying, you know, you shouldn't be down at halftime to a team like Oakland, who again, they're not a terrible team, but they're a six or seven win team that's a hard out. You look, you're a Houston team that thinks you're going to win playoff games. You shouldn't be down at home at halftime to this Oakland team. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, not against that defense. So they have to get off the quicker starts. Another huge game for New Hopkins, eleven for one hundred nine. It's exactly what you wanted to see. Yeah. On the Oakland side of things, uh, Tyrell Josh, Williams continues. So there's this real <laughs> joke in, in, in baseball. Uh, with a guy named Chris Davis, who also happens to play for Oakland, Oakland, where he hit, I think this year he finally broke the streak, but he hit like 247 every year for four years. And if you know anything about baseball, 
the odds of hitting the exact same batting average are statistically like impossible. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Tyrell Williams is going to get three catches for a touchdown every week forever. <laughs> like it, it is amazing. He and by the way, he was playing hurt. He looked good in this game, but uh, it's it's so funny. This is the third consecutive game that he has played in that he's caught three passes, exactly three passes for a touchdown. He's a Five touchdowns this year in five games. So, I mean, they're looking for him. They, they use him in that offense. He is definitely flex-worthy every single week that he plays. But it's just a weird it's just a weird phenomenon for me. Like, just three catches for a touchdown, just bang on it every week. Uh, the sad news uh, out of this game is that Texans uh, <laughs> superstar, uh, the, 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 the guy who is Houston, uh, J.J. Oh, Watt yes. had surgery, will have surgery in the middle of this week to repair a torn pec. Uh, that ended his season. He's looking at about a four-month recovery time. That's coming uh, about two minutes ago. Uh, Ian Rappaport reported that. We knew he was out for the season, but that's more of the details. Puts him at a time to be ready for OTAs and minicamp, but you've seen J.J. Watt go down now what seems like almost every yeah. year. Um, and it sucks because he's a hell of a player, but he he struggles with the injury issues. And I know that he is Houston, but man, you're going to have to take a long look at what his future looks like after just another injury here long-term. Jamie, any other parting thoughts here on the, on this game? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's sad to see you love to see JJ Watt as a person and as a player. He's yeah. Fun, he's such a good it, dude. His body's failing him. Yeah. And it, it has for most of the last half decade now. Yes, it has. All right. The Patriots get a victory 27 to 13 against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, we told you guys ahead of this that Cleveland was uh, going to have an easier schedule coming forward, um, but this was not one of those games. And Baker got hit. He got hit often. Uh, he had a couple of couple of bad pass interference plays on on Jarvis Landry, where they had some big chunk plays taken back. Um, frustration all around. You can tell. I watched the entirety of this football game. Cleveland is not a well coached football team. Uh, I say that with all certainty. Freddie is does not look prepared, um, and it's especially uh, easy to tell when you're playing top-tier yeah. head coaches. Um, and the, offensively, they seem like they don't really know what their identity is. And they sometimes go to Chubb, and, and he gets it going, and then they start. It's just they can't really get into a rhythm, and Baker never looks like he's in rhythm. This offense never really looks like it's in rhythm, and it's a problem moving forward because this team needs to start putting together victories here pretty quickly if they're even going to smell the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, look, they're 2-5. They're and five. Uh, they're, they're, they're not out of it because of the, I don't think it's going to take – I mean, at best, I think 10 wins gets the division, which, again, that's got to concern you for the Browns because that means you have to go, what, 8-1 and one down the yeah. stretch. Uh, which, but again, their schedule gets a lot easier, and they play a ton of division games. Yep. So they're going to have the they opportunity. Have five division games left. Yeah, so they're going to have the opportunity to beat these teams and and at least put themselves in that conversation down the stretch here. That they can't be playing from behind in so many of these games because Nick Chubb looks really good, and he was gashing that defense. He was gashing the Patriots defense in this game. Like he looked excellent. Problem is, is you can't be down three scores by the time Nick Chubb gets involved in this game. But you also can't get Nick Chubb involved in the game when you're down three scores. Like, you have to start putting yourself in a position where you can run the ball effectively and play clock management and keep these games close, and they're not doing it right now. Baker looks lost. I'm sorry. Like, he looks lost right now. Yeah, he looks bad. Um, It's concerning because there's a lot – I know the coaching is is a bit of a problem, but there's a lot of talent around him, and he's in his second year, and I'm watching rookie quarterbacks that have less talent around them in their first year performing better in their situations. Yep. I'm I'm not saying that I've changed my long-term outlook on Baker. I'm just saying it's something that needs to be watched because – you know, is he in any worse situation than Daniel Jones? Is he in any worse situation than Gardner Minshew? Has he been in any worse situation than Kyle Allen? Yeah. I know Kyle Allen's the second year, but so is Baker in that case. So, like, all of those guys have less talent around them on offense. Two of those three guys are rookies. They're performing better than Baker's been. So he needs to take some blame for this, too. But, I don't know, this whole offense is a mess. It's it's not a one-player problem. It's by far not a one-player problem. To blame this all on Baker is ridiculous. I don't even think he's the biggest part of the problem. But he is part of the problem. In New England, look, they they're just keep doing what they're doing. Edelman gets in the end zone twice. You know, James White gets 75 yards in the receiving game. The Shell's getting his three and a half yards of carry. I mean, this is what you're doing now. Like, this is what the Patriots do. Um, if you just watch the box score, you would think they barely use Sanu. He was involved a lot more early. He had a couple drops. He had one where he was clearly a pass interference, but they didn't call it. I guess if the guy's holding his arm as he's trying to make the catch, they didn't call it. Uh, I know that might shock you that the referees might have missed something <laughs> in, in a football game. Uh, but 
uh, you know, he was starting to get involved in there a little bit more, but this is what the Patriots are. Like Edelman's a play every week. Michelle's nothing more than a flex play. White's nothing more than a flex play. Tom Brady's between QB five and QB 10. This is what you're going to get. This is not as good as the Patriots are. Their best player is their defense. Yeah. Who's going mm-hmm. again. <laughs> 100%. But they don't need much more, right? I yeah, mean, that's at this, fine. Yeah. And I, I, as, as I said, I want to challenge us to figure out what team in the AFC is even going to compete with this team. I mean, I just, I, I don't know. And we got to see more from, from Kansas City before they're in the same conversation. You know that, you know that whoever it is is going to have to go to Foxborough, yeah. right? I'm not going to pick any team in the AFC to beat this team going on the road. It's just, it's, it's not likely to happen. The the one thing, if you're, (coughs) if you're a Kansas city fan, I think Mm -hmm. the one thing to you that's you saving grace is that one thing teams have not made the Patriots do is make furious late comebacks down multiple scores because they're having to keep up with you. If, if everything is clicking right and Mahomes is healthy, the fact they could put up points on them is interesting because it's whether or not the Patriots can use their offense to get themselves back into a game. But, like, even that is, like, such a faint criticism of, like, it's not even really a criticism of the Patriots. It's just, like, in this hypothetical scenario, yeah. you're going to have to – can they keep up in a shootout? That would be my only thing. For really, sure. They haven't needed to so far. And they might not need to. If they pick Mahomes off three times in the game, there won't be a shootout to that. So, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, it's – I believe they have Baltimore next week. They do. That will be an interesting game. I, I think they're clearly better than Baltimore, and I believe they're going to be – I think they opened to six-point favorites in that game um, in Baltimore. But uh, – that would be an interesting game because yeah. that's an offense that has had some success. Although, again, the issue is, is Lamar Jackson's not going to throw to beat you. No. So, like, eh. Like, I it's, don't know. It's the, just... one, it's the one place that if they had to go on the road to Baltimore in the playoffs to beat that football team, I think it would be interesting. Well, look, they have Baltimore football demons in yeah, New England. Yeah, 100%. Like Bernard Pollard and those guys, they aren't there 100%. anymore. 100%. But – but it will. Uh, this is at least going to be a, a fun game. I think I'm, I'm hopeful that it'll be a fun game to watch between those two teams. I believe that's the AMC. night game, isn't it? I think so. I think it's Sunday Night Football next week. All right, the Packers go on the road to the Kansas City Chiefs, get a victory, 31 to 24. Listen, the Kansas City Chiefs made this game very interesting. Uh, the Packers got out to a, a hot start as they have in many of their football games and then slowed down, right? Uh, the Chiefs scored 17 unanswered points and took a 17-14 lead in this game. Uh, and then the Packers went on and, and got this victory. But I was impressed with the ability to keep this game in hand yeah. to the very last moment. Casey's defense is playing a little bit better. Yes, like they, they again, stepped up in, in moments yeah. where the couple of big sacks for, for opportunities to put their offense in a good position. I mean, if if their defense had played that well and Mahomes was playing, they win that Yeah, they, would, they wouldn't have lost the two home games. Or I guess if, yeah, it's weird. They've mm-hmm. lost three games in Arrowhead so far. Yes. That's, that's, that's on, shocking. It, yeah, it's shocking. But that if they had played, if that defense had played like they did against Aaron Rodgers on Sunday Night Football mm-hmm. and Mahomes was playing, I have no – I like full certainty that they win that football game. But they take another loss at home. Green Bay keeps on rolling. Um, and listen, we've got two, we've got a lot of good football teams in the NFC, right? When you look at the Saints and the 49ers and Green Bay, I mean, there's a lot of good football teams. Um, but what Aaron Rodgers and this team is doing right now, I think that's different in years past is that they're finally using Aaron Jones. Finally, finally they realize that they have an absolute stud on their football team to run the football to. And I don't know if Matt LaFleur coerced Aaron Rodgers into this, but it, either way, it's great news from Green Bay fans from a football perspective, and it's great news from a fantasy perspective. You drafted Aaron Jones. Yeah, and he's even even better in the passing game the last couple of weeks. Absolutely. Seven for 159 and two touchdowns in this game. Uh, the way they're using their two backs is really sensational because Jamal Williams had an unbelievable catch in the back of the end yes, zone in this game too, and, and they're using him pretty effectively. I ranked both guys in my top 24 this week, and I think I probably will do that again uh, going forward where I think they're both playable. Obviously, Aaron Jones is a, the, the RB1 and is a stud and is, is a top 10 play every single week. Uh, it was, again, we've talked about this on the show for a year and a half. It was never about talent. It was about commitment to using him, and now they're finally showing a commitment to using him, and maybe it's because of the Devontae Adams injury. Um, I know they were using him a little bit before, but maybe that's say, hey, look, we need to. It forced them into doing that. A yeah, and bit forced more. to use him in different ways. Like mm-hmm. forced to use him heavily in the passing game. Forced to use Jamal Williams heavily in the passing game. Use them both. I mean, there were a lot of drives where they were both on the field at the same time, which I like to see. I really love the way they've been using him so far, and Aaron Rodgers has been getting the job done. And, you know, look, on the other side of things, you can't trust any Kansas City running back. I mean, Damian Williams finally gets in the end zone probably the week you didn't start him. Uh, but even then, seven you know seven carries that was that was it. They're not the, did they even throw him the ball? No, they didn't. Like eh, 
Like I, I, I just don't know what to do with those those running backs. You know, Tyreek Hill's still going to get his. Travis Kelsey's still going to get his, even regardless of who the quarterback play is. But you're not. I mean, I've got a lot of questions about Damian Williams or LaShawn McCoy. Like I'm not playing any of these guys right now. I know you want a piece of the Kansas City offense, especially when Mahomes comes back. But I don't have any confidence those guys are going to be anything more than maybe flex plays because you have no idea how the carries are going to shake out. No, I think it'll be interesting to see if they make a move um, at the before the trade deadline to add something there because they're they are they have not been able to run the football the way they want to, and we questioned that going into the season because they had unproven guys who haven't taken the share of the workload. They've been nice accessory pieces, but not full time backs and. They don't look like the same football team without a solid running game, and I don't think that they're going to be able to challenge New England or Baltimore, even on the road for that matter, if they can't establish a good running game, Jamie. Yeah, it's going to be a problem for them. And look, they're 5-3. and three. Like I still think they win that division, but they're going to be a 3 or 4 seed, which means they're going to be playing on the first weekend of the season uh, of the playoffs most likely, and very likely that the second game is going to be on the road, whether it's in New England, whether it's in Baltimore, whether it's in Houston, Indianapolis, whatever it might be. There's a very good chance that – they're going to be on the road for the second and maybe – and if they get by that third game of the postseason, that could make a difference. Now, I know they don't win an airhead anymore, but – Yeah. Tongue-in-cheek there. But, I mean, these are things you have to consider. And, and right now, their offensive line hasn't been good. They haven't done a great job protecting Mahomes, and they haven't done a good job pass blocking. And I know they're beat up a little bit too, but they have to adjust that area. I wouldn't bring in another back. I don't think you need another back. They trust those guys. They trust Daryl Williams as a third back there. But you're going to have to fix short up that offensive line and get healthy. All right, last thing we're going to do here is preview Monday Night Football. The Dolphins going on the road to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers coming off a bye week. I told Jamie this before the podcast started. I don't (laughs) – the line here is 14, okay? The Steelers are favored by 14. And Jamie and I looked at each other and I said, Jamie, if Ben Roethlisberger was playing in this game, what would the line be, right? Probably 16 and a half, 17. So is Ben Roethlisberger not two and a half or three points significantly better than what they have going on right now? I it just fourteen seems really high to me. Jamie, I'll, I'll go to our, I'll go to you first, Jake. What are your thoughts? What do you think is going to happen in this one? And are you in agreement with me that fourteen seems a bit high for this team? Fourteen seems really high. Like the Steelers don't lose at home in prime time, but I say that because Ben Roethlisberger's been their quarterback for the last decade and a half. I I go on Steelers twenty seven seventeen. I still think they're better. Uh, they've got some weapons. It'll be interesting to see when Mason Rudolph comes back, what it looks like. Their defense has been okay. They should be better. They've been a little bit better the last couple weeks, but they haven't really – I don't know. I mean, it hasn't been really impressive. But, to, but 14? Yeah. Like, the Dolphins looked pretty good in, in, in Buffalo last week with Fitzmagic back at quarterback. Like, I, I don't know. 14 seems like a lot. I think the Steelers win, but I don't, I don't think they cover that. Yeah, I agree. Steelers win. They don't cover. Uh, that line's way too high. I mean, I like Mason Rudolph, but let's relax here. Like, he's not Ben Roethlisberger. He's no. not. This is not the same Steelers team as it was in the middle of last season. Uh, they deserve to be favored. They deserve to be more than a touchdown favorites, but they don't deserve to be two touchdown favorites in this game. The win, um, I expect a, a good game from James Conner. Uh, I expect a decent game from Mason Rudolph, who I, who I am playing in fantasy this week. Interesting. Uh, with, okay. Matt, with Matt, That's the guy I went with with Matt Ryan being ruled out, but – uh, I don't expect this to be a blowout by any means, but I, I do think they're going to win fairly comfortably. But I don't, I don't expect this to be a seventeen or twenty-one point game. I, to me, that to say this team is only four points worse than the Patriots team that they that played it that played against the Dolphins, yeah. and I just I, I don't see it. The only way I see this being that big of a game is if the Steelers' defense scores multiple touchdowns. Right? Like I see, I see this happening if the Steelers' defense gets has Ryan Fitzpatrick where he throws one of those five pick games and two of them are returned for, I mean, that's the only way I really see this turning into a absolute destruction uh, and them covering that spread. All right, Jake, any parting thoughts on today's podcast? Uh, <laughs> not really. No, I think I've said it all at this point. I'm ready to go home and take a nap and uh, not dream about the damn officials. Oh. Uh, mine is just more of kind of keep an eye on bye weeks again. I know I keep keep bringing this up, but you have four teams on bye week this coming week, six teams on bye afterwards. Start preparing ahead of time. If you're going to have a ton of players on bye in two weeks from now, because, again, almost 20% of the league is going to be off in week 10, Yeah, start preparing with your pickups this week. Be a week in advance of people. And just because everybody's going to be scrambling a week from now on this Monday show, everyone's going to be scrambling to kind of figure out how they're going to fill all of those holes. Get in advance of people while you're looking at waiver claims for this week. 
I, yeah, I'll, I'll page. I'll, I'll jump in with this too. I mean, I think we're starting to really get a feel for what this NFL season is right now. We went ten and four last week on the picks, eleven and one going into the night this week. Just felt like a pretty easy week to pick because I think we're really starting to see who some of these teams are. There weren't there weren't any of the road upsets that we were talking about. Um, it finally feels like the, the NFL settling into where these where these teams are slotted and what they're capable of doing, which is exciting. Because it's we're, we're going into week nine this week. That's awesome that we're at week nine and we're just getting to figure out who we think some of these teams are. And maybe we're a little slow on some. Maybe it took some a little, a little bit longer to prove to us who they are. But I mean, normally we know in week three or four. You know, we're winning 10, 11, 12 games a week in week three or four. That's, it's been really hard to get to 10 or 11 picks uh, this, this year. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I will say it. Uh, these are my parting thoughts. Roger Goodell, fix the referees. That is my parting thoughts on today's podcast. Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter. You can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. And you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow the show at TDN Fantasy on Twitter and at TDN Fantasy on Instagram. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.